It's more so just having groups where you mastermind together, find out what's working, find out what's not working, bounce ideas off of each other. And those are normally the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis on the timeline. So you're growing that way and you grow together and eventually you just have a big community of high follower accounts that you can leverage even more and more and more and just grow, grow, grow. Welcome to another episode of Hype Fury Presents. In this episode, I talk to Dan Ko. Dan is a freelance web designer and is selling high ticket offers to create sales funnels for his clients. In this episode, you'll learn how to start a freelancing business and how to quit your job in six months while growing an audience on Twitter. My name is Yannick, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. You've been on Twitter since uh, 2011. Uh, were you always this active? Oh, no way. I created it in 2011. I, I thought it was like the dumbest thing ever when I first created it. I'm like, <laughs> why would I even get on here? I followed What's like... What's this Twitter thing? Yeah, I followed maybe 10 people. Didn't see any value in it. I mean, I was probably... I don't know how old I was at the time. Definitely in my younger teens. And yeah, I, I put it down for the longest time. Like, I, I don't even think I had it installed on my phone for until now until i think i started like a year and two months ago i started in november so a year and a month ago i started actually putting out content i had been a lurker for a long time i followed a lot of the ogs on twitter like jose yep. rosado yeah he's the main one that i followed like he really got me addicted to that kind of content if that makes sense I like I, I was always a self-improvement junkie in a sense but he's definitely one of the guys that introduced me to that side and then everyone started transitioning or or i guess promoting that you can grow an audience fairly easily on twitter i guess you could say and so after a little bit i decided to just start posting and here we are i guess What, what was the spark that ignited your uh your twitter journey well i'd been doing web design for a while before that. I did a lot of stuff before that, but I was, I had my web design business that was doing pretty well. And Twitter seemed like the next jump to make more money and build an audience that I could leverage for more clients, or it just seemed like the smart move. Like if I could grow an audience and continue growing it, then why wouldn't I, right? Nice. And so, okay. And, and But the, why did you choose Twitter? But why didn't you, I don't know, it's not like the, the most visual of social media. So I had tried, <laughs> previously, I had tried doing like a fitness YouTube channel and that was okay, but I eventually just gave up as many people do in their first few business ventures. So I did that. That was fun. I didn't really like, I don't like being on camera. Like I'm fine with this, of course, but yeah, I I just didn't really like that style of content. I did Instagram for a while. I actually grew on Instagram pretty quickly, but I was, it wasn't a personal brand. It was more so I was creating like Photoshop manipulations because I'd gone, I had taken a few design classes in college and just went down a YouTube rabbit hole, found out how to make cool looking pictures and there's a whole like digital art community on Instagram, like money Twitter. And I was able to grow pretty quickly, but then eventually I burned out, was tired of doing that every day 
And yeah, so I, I guess the reason I chose Twitter over all of them is because I didn't really care for YouTube. I tried it. I didn't really care for Instagram because I tried it. So Twitter, I, I felt like I could emulate the people that were doing really good on there. I felt like I could take my ideas and write them in a way that sounded good in just 280 characters. Interesting. So it was more the writing that attracted you to, to Twitter. Yeah, I think it was more so like remaining or keeping some sort of anonymity, even though I'm not like an anon account. So it's like, I don't know. I still like Twitter above all platforms. I just like the writing aspect of it. Like I like being able to put like punchy, hard hitting words into like a succinct tweet, as opposed to like posting. I'm not a big like vanity guy. So I, I wouldn't like posting myself on Instagram with like an insightful caption. You know, I'd rather just post the insightful caption on Twitter. Yeah. Interesting. And so when did you find out that you were actually good at the, at the writing part? Well, you know, you, you started that, you know, you started your account in 2011. You probably didn't do anything with it for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, a little bit over a year ago, you started. Uh, how, how many followers did you have back then? I had, so when I started, I have screenshots of like my different milestones. The first day I started, I had like 141 followers, but those were all like friends yeah, like high school friends and stuff. So I, I, I had zero engagement when I started. And those that did see my tweets probably just thought like, oh, this guy is posting weird stuff all of a sudden because they're they're not on that side of Twitter. They're like, oh, this guy's trying to come out and like make it and be a motivational account or something. Or at least that's what I thought. Right. That was my worry at the time. So I, I don't know. I since I'd been following like money Twitter for a little bit. I understood how they wrote the tweets. I understood like what made me like the tweet and like everyone was kind of preaching the basics of copywriting at that point. So I kind of had that under my belt and like, okay, I need to write something that hooks in their attention, talks about a problem they have, and then either tell them how to solve it or just write something that is engageable with. I haven't really broken it down to a science. I just kind of, as I went along, I kind of just found what works and doubled down on that. And so, okay, you start with 141 followers. Nobody engaged with you. They thought, hey, who's this crazy guy tweeting all this this strange stuff? Well, how did you get your first signs of traction? What, what happened? I did what a lot of people do, or I guess what a lot of people preach right now, which is engaging with bigger accounts. Like I'd been, I'd already been following the bigger accounts. So I started commenting my own insights. And then there were some like Jose and other people that I would reach out to and talk to them and build a connection and sometimes ask advice on what I'm doing. And then from there, I, this was few and far, far between. It's not like this happened a lot, but I would get shout outs or they would retweet me because one of my tweets resonated with them. So like building that connection and then eventually just growing more and more and more. Yeah, that's really how it's done. I think a lot of people overcomplicate the growth process when it's just replying to other people, putting out good content, connecting with the people whose content you like a lot, staying in contact with them, and then they will naturally boost you or help you grow because they enjoy you 
as a person, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think a lot of people, well, at least when you, when they're starting out, they need to remember that Twitter is not so much about discoverability. You know, you need to have a certain like base layer of followers for, you know, you to get engagement and to get traction. But once you do have like a core follower, you can, yeah, your tweets can really blow up, but you, yeah, don't need to, well, you need to find other people before you, before you really get to that point, you know, otherwise just tweeting to a, to a wall. Yeah, exactly. And so, okay. And, and so Jose and some other guys, um, you started talking, how did you, you know, approach, approach that you had a connection with Jose probably because you were both into the design uh, stuff. Was that something that you, you know, had in common and used that to connect with him or how did that go? I don't remember the exact details since it was so long ago, but we definitely had that web design background that we could talk about. I think I just hopped in there one day and I was like, what's up, man? Like, can you help me out with this? I'm pretty sure I asked if he could help me out with something. He did very kindly. And then the connection kind of just went from there. And we talked. I remember us talking about like our web design products because I did create a web design product pretty early on. And I actually do think that helped with my growth quite a bit. Was that a course? Yeah. So it's it was a course. And then one thing that... I truly believe aided in my growth was that since it was so web design focused, it was so niche down, I could reach out to people like web designers and actually had one big account that affiliated for me for a bit. So he was tagging me in posts. He had like 30K followers at the time. He was tagging me in posts like selling my offer and then followers would trickle over from that alone. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think that's also one of the the, the nicer ways of, of growing your account is just, you know, provide value. And you know, on the one side, if people buy your course, they'll give you a shout out. Hey, I just bought this course. You know, you need to check it out. And the, on the other hand, you can target bigger accounts like the 30K account say, hey, do you want to affiliate for me? How did you approach that? You know, why did you choose that account over someone else? Yeah. The affiliate account, you know, the 30K, why, why him or her? And, and how did you, you know, approach that? So originally I, I wasn't going for like the money Twitter audience, right? I had bigger plans in play. These have shifted completely. But when I first created that web design course, it was based, it was for freelancing. And I wanted to teach web developers specifically to freelance rather than just like teaching because at that point, I didn't have like a website creation course. I didn't teach people how to actually create the websites. I just taught them how to freelance. So I was targeting web developers who wanted to transition into freelance work. And he was one of the bigger like web developer community. He was a bigger account in the developer community. So reached out to him. He seemed cool. He seemed to be connected with a lot of the people in Money Twitter. So I saw that as another bonus. And yeah, it kind of went from there. He didn't want to affiliate to start. He said he wanted to grow his account more. And then eventually, I don't think he realized that it was like a freelancing course. And eventually he hopped in my DMs and he's like, hey, you sell a freelancing course? Yeah. And he was like, oh, I have a lot of people asking, like, how can I start freelancing? And so I'm like, you want to affiliate? And he was like, yep. And then that's how it went. Nice, that's interesting. And how did how did you get more affiliates, or how did you how did you increase your sales even more? How did, can you run us through that? So I never really talked about 
web design or development. So I never really uh, resonated with that kind of audience, like the developer community. I was posting more self-improvement stuff and freelancing in general stuff. So I do believe I attracted more of the money Twitter community that want to improve and grow rather than learn more about web development, right? And so after that, sales started to slow down. So eventually I made the web design course, like actually teaching the web design. And I also have another course and eventually they like, right now it's selling pretty well and it's a culmination of all of the above. It's like a a three-in-one course bundle that helps you learn how to freelance. It teaches you web design as a skill if you don't currently have a skill and it teaches you Twitter growth. So like you can land clients from there. So I kind of just eventually evolved it to a place that is very high value at a decent cost. And like now, yeah, I'm kind of just going with that for now. Yeah. This is the missing piece. Oh no, that that's the new one. That one's more about offer creation and actually marketing yourself as a freelancer coach. Uh, so you have a different course that has uh, yeah, the three things you talked about before, and you've had that for uh, for a couple of months now. Yeah, so that one has evolved literally over the lifespan of my Twitter account. So since the very beginning, or like maybe a month after I first started, I released the web design course, the freelancing course. And then over that year, I released other courses and then combined them together. And now there's a new course. How did that evolve? Why did you make the decision to add something versus yeah, another thing? Yeah. So because at first I was targeting the like developer community where I could just teach them freelancing and it would be good to go. I felt like my audience didn't have the skills to actually start freelancing with. So I created the web design product, bundled those two together. So it was like an all-in-one learn web design and learn how to freelance with it. And then um, eventually I released a Twitter course, but that was around the time where everyone was against Twitter courses. And which is funny because if you just angled it a different way, like if I turned it into a course where it's like, how to land clients on Twitter, it wouldn't be considered a Twitter course and it wouldn't get as much hate. I think people are just mad because there's so many out there. So I created my own because I thought I had something different and relevant to say. And part of it was landing clients on Twitter. So it made sense to just combine them all together. And they still sell separately, of course, but like the main thing I promote is them all combined together. So it's like an all-in-one beginner business bundle, I guess you could say. Interesting. And so you started with the freelance course and I guess, you know, a lot of people have, you know, this vision in mind that they want to quit their job or they want to start a side business and then freelancing is probably the easiest thing to do. And so, okay, I want to be a freelancer myself. But then the next question is, okay, what do I do as a freelancer? You know, and you filled that gap with uh, the design course. And then the next step was, okay, how do I get my clients? And then that was like the a part Twitter, Twitter growth course or part, you know, how do, you know, DM people, stuff like that. Can, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So the freelancing course had the stuff in it to actually land clients. So like teaching people cold email, which I know cold email wizard is absolutely 
killing right now and is probably doing better than I was. So I was teaching people what I knew that landed me clients with cold email, how to use those scripts for LinkedIn or Facebook. And of course, Twitter, if they wanted to, and um, yeah, how to actually create the websites, how to onboard for the websites, how to get on a sales call with them and actually close them on the call. And then, yeah, the Twitter course kind of just helped with that. Right. So um, were there any specific things or specific, you know, sparks you had? So, okay, I, I, I done the freelance course now. I'm, I'm going to do the web design course now. What, what made you decide to create the, like the second part? Because I wanted, in all honesty, I wanted to sell more. So I needed more people to understand web design up front to be able to buy the other course, <laughs> if that makes sense. So you create your own funnel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it helps. It gave people another option because I know a lot of people don't want to freelance. So like teaching people how to create a website could be, you can sell that at multiple different angles. It can be, oh, you can freelance with this or you can use it to create a nice website for your current business or you need a landing page for your info product or things like that. So it just seemed very, it just opened up more angles for me. Interesting. And so let's go back a little bit more into the into the past. So you're a web designer as and that's also what you did in, in school, or how did you how did you so you were educated in the web design? And then what what made you decide to one, choose that and also two to, you know, become a freelancer yourself? Because I guess you started working for somebody else and then you transitioned to become a freelancer yourself. Without going too much into like the like different stories. So I, I tried a bunch of different things, right? As I think many people would relate with trying and failing at multiple different things. So I tried like Facebook ads, I tried web design, I tried um, the digital art page on Instagram, I tried the fitness YouTube channel, a uh, bunch of different things, SEO. And my, so in school before all of this or during all of this as well, I switched my majors all the time. So I started in marketing, then I went to film, and then I went to graphic design and then I went to like a hybrid of design and web development. And so when I took that first web development class and like learned basic HTML and CSS, like after the first week of that, I started looking up like what developers can make. Right. And then I went down that rabbit hole. I saw people getting web design or web development jobs in like six months or less because they just studied so hard on their own. And so it's like, oh, like I can, I don't have to freelance. I don't have to do all this. I can just go like learn to code by myself and then get a job in six months and then use that to transition into other things. So like while I was in that web design class, I learned probably the entire rest of my college career's worth of web development in like two months. Like I just went super hard in studying. I learned HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and then kept taking courses that helped me build out projects in like React and other things. And so I built up a pretty decent portfolio of my coding work and I got a web design job, but it was very entry level. It was like it was only like HTML, CSS. It was just like anyone could have gotten that job within like a month, but I was happy with that. And that job was like part 
in office, part remote. And so most of the time, like I just spent the time building my freelancing business and getting clients. And eventually I would say pretty quickly, since I wasn't so stressed out from the, I wasn't so stressed out about trying to make it with like web design alone or like SEO alone. And the reason I was switching so much is because I wanted to make more money and just not get into a nine to five. So when I had that job, I quickly, I would say within like two to three months, like was earning more than my salary. And so I was like, okay, like that worked. I guess it was like a lot of failures building up, like me learning along the way, what went right, what went wrong, and then just making it work. Yeah. Nice. How how did you get your clients back then? It was, so I'll go through the whole story, I guess. The... I started with family and friends, of course, as most people say to do. And so a few of them were free. A few of them paid me like 300, 500 bucks just to help them out. So then I had a solid portfolio. And at that point, I started reaching out to people on Facebook and cold email. I would either, I did a lot of different things. I didn't really have one narrow thing, which... I would change if I went back and did that, but I would be driving around, driving around town. I'd see businesses that like stood out to me. I'd write them down and eventually go and research them. I'd look up if they had a shit website. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or not even that too, because I didn't only offer web design, which I'll get into in a bit. So I landed, I emailed them, positioned myself as even though I wasn't niche down at the time, I just positioned myself as like, Hey, like I only work with your type of business. Give me money. Right. A bit more in depth than that, but I landed web design clients that way. And eventually like transition into like an appointment booking funnel, which I talk about a lot in my courses, which is just a landing page that they can either send paid traffic to, or if they have current traffic, they send it there. That landing page gets them, it captures our email, puts them in an email sequence, and it offers for them to book a call. This is for like service-based businesses, like contractors, pest control, anything that really needs to be booked. And then, so you get sent to the booking page. And then if they don't book, they can put in an email sequence that gives them more value, hammers in on their problem, then offers to get them on a call again to sell them on that service. Nice. Cool. Okay. And so you did, did a bunch of things and then you started with, you know, low offers, three to $500 family. How did you transition to higher ticket prices, different services? When did you also maybe settle down a bit more on, I'm going to do design work and not the SEO stuff or, or how did that go? So I guess to preface, uh, even what I just said. So like there was websites, there was the like appointment funnel. I started getting really into funnels in general. So I'd kind of, I started reaching out to different people that I just knew I could help and then helping them. And eventually it just turned into like funnel consulting and building out part of their funnels. And that's what I do now. I don't necessarily do like website design as a whole, but I know that I know how to sell that. So that's why I sell a product on that. And that's how I first started. So I was in like a continuous learning phase of 
marketing, like trying to learn how to market my products better and provide better service so that I could actually increase my prices. Right. And I knew that my work was good enough to increase my price compared to what other people were doing. I kind of took into account like a business-based pricing type deal since I knew my service was good. If a certain business could, if I knew a certain business could afford like, let's say $5,000, then I would charge them $5,000. And that's who I would continue to go after is I would, I continuously narrowed down the clients that I wanted to work with. And how did you determine that? There's a few ways. So you can see if they're spending money on ads. So if they're actually paying for marketing and they have a good business, or if they have multiple locations, you know that they may be making good money. So if they're paying ads, they have multiple locations. If they have just a good brand in general. Yeah, I think those are the main things. And then of course, when you're getting them on a call with you, you're qualifying them further. So you're asking them what their marketing budget is. You're asking them what they're currently pulling in monthly and like what they want to take that to. So you kind of, before you get on a call, you kind of understand how much they can afford to spend then and there. So it's an easier close. Good one. And so how how did you in the end transition to, you know, what what you do now? Because after a couple of months you made already, you were making more money than in your day job. Did you then say, bye-bye boss, I'm going to do this myself? Or how long did you stick with the job? Yeah. So I stayed there for about six to seven months. And the the thing is, I wasn't making a lot there. Like I kind of just accepted the first job that came to me and that's my fault. I could have hopped higher and higher and up. So like at that point, me out earning the job wasn't too like impressive, I guess you could say, but it was enough to sustain me if I did want to quit. But I knew I had to create, I had to save a bit because I knew that freelancing was a bit unstable for me because I didn't have the processes in place completely. It was more so like cold outreach and referrals. I never really set up the paid ads portion or setting that up. So I had a consistent flow of clients. It was more so up to me and I wasn't ready to leave my job at that point. So eventually I started earning more. I started getting better. My marketing started getting better. My service started getting better. And I had more processes in place and was able to transition out of it. And then to the point now making more, it's, it's just like a continuous process of refinement for me is like, I started with web design. I went to, uh, like basic appointment funnels and now it's like funnels as a whole and like where I can fill the gaps. And yeah, that's really it, I guess you could say. So where I am now on Twitter, I'm leveraging my Twitter to land more clients uh, for that and sell my products and services. And of course, like build a network of amazing people because everyone that interacts with me is like one of the coolest like people I've ever met. You don't really meet too many people that have your similar values and ideals in real life, but on Twitter, they're everywhere, (laughs) or at least like, so it seems right. So it's cool to be able to work with them. And I think that is another thing that really accelerated my earnings because I had good marketing and a good offer in place that once I build an audience, that was kind of like how I made things very stable because I did go a time without a job where it was a bit unstable. And that was mostly my fault because I wasn't putting as much work in, in terms of reaching out to people and trying actively trying to get clients. So yeah, I guess you could say that's another like 
reason that I started a Twitter audience is because I knew that I could build something that would be more stable down the road. Interesting. And so you mentioned you had good marketing. Can you give some examples of that? What was stuff that worked and that you knew that would attract more um, more clients? Yeah. So what I mean by that is like, it's kind of what the new course is about, really. So learning how to create a very good offer, right? So rather than just selling a website to anyone and everyone, it's like having having an ideal customer, understanding like doing deep research and understanding where they're at now, where your ideal customer is at and where they want to be and having unique positioning. That kind of helps you outright position yourself as unique. So unique positioning, having the right services that solve the right problems for them. So as I talked about earlier, when I first went from like websites to that appointment funnel is I was filling a bigger and more pressing problem, right? A lot of people don't necessarily need a brand new website, especially ones that have great websites in their eyes. So they just want leads or customers. Yeah. So like people running Google ads to their website doesn't really make sense. So I can come in, build a landing page to get more people inside their funnel, right? That makes a lot more sense because it's more narrow. I can explain the value of it a lot easier. Yeah. So it's, that's really it is just like, solving more pressing problems, solving and talking to businesses about that too. Like as you have, as you get the clients or as you're growing on Twitter or as you're in Facebook groups, you can um, start talking to them, like ask what they're struggling with and see if you can actually create a solution that solves that and talk with a bunch of different businesses to see if there's any crossover and commonalities between their problems. Yeah. Interesting. And so you talked also a bit about, you know, crafting like a unique offer. And I think um, for a lot of people, well, at least what you mentioned is, hey, I, I concentrate on like the services business. I create funnels for them. You know, I don't overhaul their entire website. I just create a landing page, make sure either they get more calls in to book to book services or i get them into like an email funnel how would you advise people to come up with like their own unique offer first i would target someone that can actually pay you so make sure make sure you have that down because then you're not really wasting your time on multiple fronts trying to land them as a client i would stick to one niche once you hammer it down like if you want to go after multiple from the start, you can. But I, I think the main thing is kind of what you said is like having that proprietary solution. So like mine was a landing page, an email sequence, and the appointment funnel as a whole, which sounds much more enticing than something like a website. So if you're selling Facebook ads to local businesses, you can do practically the same thing. Learn how to create a landing page, learn the basics of email marketing, create a solid sequence. And depending on who you're targeting, you can help them get more customers that way. Because I know Facebook ads is pretty popular. So if you're trying to get that business more leads, just figure out what you can learn to make it much easier for them to get more leads and then package that up as a solution that only you can provide right? That other people aren't providing because everyone provides Facebook ads, but who, 
who provides the like the remodel appointment generator, something like that, or like the lead multiplier, something that sounds good, right? It's like your branding. How are you going to brand yourself in a unique way to a specific niche and actually solve their problems and get insane results? And then when you, once you get insane results, it just goes up from there. And I was thinking, you know, you can uh, easiest way to probably get clients is when you see those Facebook ads, click on them. And when you see a very, very bad landing page or website, you can you know, contact them. Yeah. Interesting. And so uh, how does your business model work? Because I guess, you know, you have like the, you know, called wireframe or you have a, have a, a, a basic setup already and you, you know, you can almost copy paste probably funnels between if you're a plumber or electrician or, you know, carpenter or whatever. How does that work? So my business model currently is a bit different. I've been trying to transition for a while. And I think Twitter was the catalyst of that because you don't like, it would be nearly impossible for me to get like local business clients from Twitter. Like, I don't even think I've seen one, maybe a few, but they're just super small and they don't come across your timeline. Right. So now I'm helping personal brands, coaches, consultants, and freelancers with their funnel for getting clients. So it, it really ranges on what that person actually needs. But as of now, it's you need a traffic source. So for a lot of people, especially the big accounts on Twitter, that's Twitter. So I don't really have to handle that. I can help them do better on Twitter if they need that help. But then it's helping them create multiple different offers. So they have their lead magnet, they have their low ticket offer, and then they have a high ticket offer on the back end. So making sure that everything in terms of those are good and then helping them with the email sequences to actually sell more of that stuff, if that makes sense. So pretty much optimizing their funnel as a whole. All right. And so let's, let's transition back to Twitter. You know, you right now, I think you have 26,000 followers. What were the things, you know, that, that really uh, helped you grow on Twitter? Definitely networking. You can grow pretty well by yourself just by posting good tweets and engaging with other people. But like having these don't even have to be engagement groups where like you're retweeting each other. It's more so just having groups where you mastermind together, find out what's working, find out what's not working, bounce ideas off of each other. And those are normally the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis on the timeline. So you're growing that way by interacting with people that you like to interact with and you grow together and eventually you just have a big community of high follower accounts that you can leverage even more and more and more and just grow, grow, grow. That's nice. Any other things that really stood out, you know, in the, in the past year you say, wow, this, this really worked for me. Well, I keep thinking of like Twitter as a whole because I started that new income stream of like core sales I refine my offer to a place where I can charge a lot more to the niche that I'm targeting now. And yeah, it, it just seems like, like building an audience kind of blew my mind because I didn't really know the power of it before. Right. But now it's like, you just, you're just building leverage over time to make more money. If you understand how to create offers and how to sell them. Right. While at the same time, building a community of people that truly enjoy your ideas, whether it's paid or free. How do you come up with new ideas to tweet about? What's your uh, process? 
So I've gone through a few different ways of doing it. Sometimes it's like off the cuff, like I'll be laying in bed at night and just literally trying to think of a tweet, like, okay, we need to think of a tweet right now so I can pop it in Hype Fury. And then it'll come up, like I'll think of a good idea, I'll write it out, and then it just flows and flows and flows. I don't know how it works, but that's just how that one works. And then sometimes if I'm like really out of inspiration, there's two things I do. So I can look back at old tweets that did really well. And then I'll, I can't just copy it, right? I can't copy and change a few letters. So it's like, I have to like read one line of it and be like, okay, how can I turn this into a new tweet? How can I turn that one sentence into a new tweet? Nice. Is that your personal code? As in, I can't copy an old tweet. I need to create something else. I've done it sometimes. I do it occasionally. Like if I'm like gone or like I'm out like out for the day and I don't have a tweet scheduled, then it's like, okay, I need to scroll back down, grab one really quick and then pop it in there and put my phone down. So occasionally, yes, I do. But if I have time, then I like to try to create newer content. And then my other way is all consume content, right? So I'll watch someone that I personally like on Twitter because I mean, not Twitter, YouTube, like another personal brand or someone that puts out good content and I'll listen. And then if something catches my mind, like an idea they're talking about, I can think of ways that I've implemented that in my own life or just a way that I can put it into words in a good way on Twitter, because I wholeheartedly agree with that idea that they just talked about. And the same goes for like blog posts or something. And it's, it's the same deal with like my old tweets. Like you clearly cannot copy that stuff, but ideas are ideas. If they talk about going to the gym, there's a billion different things you could talk about with that. Right. And if they have their own unique perspective, it will probably spark a unique perspective in your mind. So it's either I, uh, just sit there and think for tweets or go back to current tweets, or I consume information that I enjoy consuming and would enjoy talking about. How would you advise people who are maybe a bit more new to Twitter to get into that writing flow? Because, you know, I, I think a lot of like the bigger accounts, they, they Twitter is just part of their life. So whenever something happens in their life, they... You know, think about that. Okay, what just happened? How can I create a tweet out of this? How can I share value from what just happened to me? How how would you, you know, uh, tell others to incorporate that into their life? I started off by just taking notes, like having my notes ready. So if something popped into my head, I would just take a voice note and like stack them up in there. So I do that. And then in terms of just getting into the writing flow, like I knew when I first started and eventually started gaining more traction, like I committed 100% to growing it. Like I knew that I was never going to quit on this. So I knew that I had to make it a specific part of my day. And if I didn't end up writing tweets, like sitting down for an hour and writing tweets, then like I knew that I had to do it before I go to bed. Like I just could not skip a day without doing it. Right. And so that eventually became habit. And now it's just second nature to, right on twitter cool man all right man thank you very much for this uh i love this chat where, where can people find you dan so twitter i'm at the dan co i don't have many other places set up yet i eventually would like to 
consistently start a blog and YouTube and Instagram. But yeah, for now, it's just Twitter. Feel free to DM me, say what's up. I like talking to people, especially people that listen to this podcast and are growing on Twitter as well. So yeah, thank you for having me, Matt. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. It was a pleasure. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. If you enjoyed this one, please leave an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter. See you again next week. Thank you.